0: Welcome to IB Talk, the leading podcast for the insurance industry across the UK and Ireland, brought to you by Insurance Business.
1: This episode is presented in partnership with Travellers. In the latest episode of IB UK Talk, Chris McMurray, Cyber Lead at Travellers Europe, and James Doswell, Senior Risk Management Consultant of Cyber, Join us to explore cyber threats in more detail, and they share what security steps can be taken by your clients to mitigate their cybersecurity risk. In addition, they also provide insight on what you can do in the event of a cyber attack. Hello and welcome to IB Talk, the insurance industry podcast brought to you by Insurance Business. My name is Mia Wallace, Senior News Editor at Insurance Business UK, and today I'm delighted to be joined by two cyber and IT specialists, Chris McMurray, Cyber Lead at Travellers Europe, and James Doswell, Senior Risk Management Consultant of Cyber at Travellers Europe. Many thanks to you both for joining me here today.
0: Thanks, Mia. Thank you.
1: It's a real pleasure to have you here because what really characterizes any conversation around cyber is that its threat profile is constantly evolving. So to frame our discussion, can you give me a bit of an overview of what the current cyber threat profile looks like in the UK? Maybe starting with you
2: there, Chris. Yeah, sure. No problem, Mia. Um, As you've said there, I think that the biggest thing to take away is that the threat is continuing to evolve. Um, And the problem with that is, is obviously, businesses have to adapt to, to that continuing threat. The threat itself globally continues to remain high. Uh, so The UK itself doesn't exist in a vacuum within that. You know We are equally as affected as anywhere else in the world. Ransomware has not diminished, but has actually evolved, as we've touched upon. So managed service providers now, for example, have been targeted to gain access to a wider range of targets. And we're starting to see a response from the insurance market towards that growing threat also now as well with the growing use of connected devices. This obviously increases the threat out there, um, just simply due, due to the increased connectivity now, which is pretty much part of our everyday lives.
1: And is that what you are seeing as well, James?
2: Yes, um, absolutely.
0: I mean, In terms of cyber risk as a threat against new businesses, um, absolutely. Our own experience across our portfolio, Um, It it shows attacks across a range of industries and businesses of all sizes. Whilst some industries have got a higher threat profile than others, um, the reality is hit home for many. Um, But there's there's still an attitude in particular amongst smaller businesses that cyber attacks aren't something that's going to happen, and only happen to bigger, higher profile businesses, not them. According to the UK government, 39% of businesses suffered a cyber attack in 2022 so far. um, We also find that enhanced cybersecurity has led to higher identification of attacks and is certainly the less mature organizations may not be reporting or may be under-reporting. Many SME entities fall into that category Of the 39% of UK businesses who did identify an attack, the most common threat vector was phishing, with over 83% of those businesses. Um, Of the 39%, around one in five, that's 21% of all the businesses that reported, identified a more sophisticated type of attack, such as denial of service, malware, or ransomware. And despite its low prevalence, organisations have cited ransomware as a major threat, with over half of those businesses having a policy not to pay ransoms.
1: It's certainly such an interesting space, and you work with a real range of businesses, and you mentioned that increased connectivity piece, Chris. Is that something that you're seeing, that this is a threat against businesses of just every single size and of every single sector?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, to add to James' point, when we look at the portfolio, there are certain industries which are more impacted than others, just simply due to their profile and the potential threat that they face. But to add to that, I mean, there is businesses of all shapes and size. I mean, James touched upon some of the stats there. I think one of the things also from those stats that the government actually reckon that those are potentially underreported, because at the smaller end that those threats either have gone undetected or they simply haven't actually reported the incident at the time. So the picture could actually look a little bit worse even than some of those government statistics point them out to be. I mean, we we see businesses of all shapes and sizes that have had some sort of cyber incident within the last few years. And again, just to pick up on James's point, the attitude of... It's it's something that will happen to larger businesses and it won't happen to us. I think that's in part probably fueled with what they see in the media. And again, that's because that's the the stories of interest rather than a small SME that you know has had an incident that's actually going to make the news. So that probably fuels some of that attitude. The problem is for a business of that small end, if they actually do have a cyber incident, those are more probably going to be harder hit than a large business because within a large organisation, they have an infrastructure and an IT specialism, which allows them to respond a bit quicker. Whereas if you're a small business that's, you know, maybe only a handful of employees, the likelihood of you actually having that resource in-house and on tap and having that agility to respond quickly it's very, very difficult. So, again, it's trying to get that message out there that just because you're small um, doesn't mean that you can't actually be impacted. And we've actually seen, I mean, again, we mentioned the evolution of the threat uh, right at the start, but even now for small businesses within the last few months, we've seen another change where even small businesses who do have a cyber insurance policy, They are now, if that is identified by the threat actor, we're now seeing ransom demands, which could be right up to the policy limit. Now, that's something that's quite a significant change because in the past, at the small end, the ransom payments themselves were actually quite small because again, I think there was a thought process that the threat actor would like to ask for something that's gonna get paid quickly and they can move on to the next. So again, we're seeing a bit of escalation now, even in terms of what the ransom itself actually looks like. So again, if a a business doesn't actually have an insurance policy in place, but they could now be asked for a considerable amount higher than than what they would have been in the past as that threat continues to evolve. And, And just the final point I would add on that is, again, we mentioned that cyber threat is not something that lives alone in in isolation and obviously smaller businesses have had a pretty tough time over the last couple of years with the pandemic so a lot of businesses are still having their own problems at the moment trying to recover from that so again if they were to sustain a cyber attack at the moment it could potentially be a a business critical threat for them. Just to add to that one of the really good examples
0: of how things are revolving is that since 2020, um, the act of double extortion has really taken place more and more. And it's now actually become a routine practice for attackers to exfiltrate data from the compromised company and then hold it to ransom so that if the encrypted data doesn't get paid for because they've got backups, for example, they're still holding it to ransom and saying, well, if you don't actually pay us the amount that we're asking for, we're going to release your data, which could contain quite confidential information, to the dark web.
1: That's a really excellent consideration, actually, because between the threat of double extortion, between the makeup of all the different kinds of businesses that are impacted and the ramp up of demands, there's so much pressing at the same time on the space. So from your experience what do you consider the most pressing considerations for businesses at this time
0: the evolution of the threat is always a concern um it's it's never going to stand still businesses are obviously impacted by economic situations environments and as capital becomes tight then um, there there is the temptation to simply Maybe simply the lack of resource um, to spend on cybersecurity, potentially leaving themselves more exposed. It's a difficult balancing act for businesses. Um, and they, they obviously have to manage it themselves in their own way, but manage it they must because a successful attack on them could be business critical, um, especially due to the pressures they find themselves under following the pandemic and now current inflationary crisis. Um, we can we can touch upon the you know, nation state threat and obviously the, the current situation with Russia and Ukraine, but realistically, that tends to be more the media's portrayal of particular um, sort of key, key criteria that they want to, to demonstrate and show, um, because it makes good news, perhaps. In reality, what, what happens is small companies
2: do get attacked and they do get hit by it.
1: Absolutely, and is that what you're seeing as well, Chris?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think James has summed that up pretty well there. I think there's a double-edged sword to it in that because it isn't reported in the media and because businesses are having those struggles, as James has touched upon there, with the pandemic and obviously now the inflationary pressures that they're not exempt from, I quite understand why there would be a temptation for businesses not to prioritise the cyber security because there is maybe just as they would view it, other priorities in terms of the resource they have that has to be allocated within the business. So I, I actually am very understanding of that point. The problem is, though, is when it does happen, given that the business is maybe a little bit weaker than it was a few years back, you're in a very, very dark place. and. As I touched upon earlier, if you don't have that capability to respond quickly and actually get yourself back up and running quickly and as cost effectively as possible, then in the most extreme circumstances, you might not have a business left afterwards.
1: No, it's a very sobering thought, certainly. And it's too daunting to talk about challenges without discussing potential fixes. So what are some of the key security steps that can be taken by clients to mitigate their cybersecurity risk?
0: There is actually some relatively easy steps to take. Um, putting in a cybersecurity plan, including staff training, uh, disaster recovery and business continuity planning. Have a dedicated cybersecurity professional oversee the program. And I, I realize that some of the smaller organizations may not be able to take that, but it's certainly something to consider. Um separation of administrative access from normal user accounts. That's quite an important one. We quite often see compromise scenarios where clients have been had their environment compromised, and quite often it is because they are using user accounts with administrative access still. Um, good asset management of your IT equipment. If you don't know what you've got, how can you protect it properly? If you allow bring your own device policies. Uh, It's critical to make sure that you've got a formal policy that users sign up to and ensure that you've got MDM systems in place in order to manage those devices. You can introduce multifactor authentication to help block intrusion. Um, This is something that travelers certainly require as an attestation. Um, MFA done properly is an incredibly powerful tool can discuss plans with industry peers. Don't just work, don't feel that you're just your company on your own. Go out and speak with your industry peers and share knowledge. Uh, LinkedIn is a particularly good place to share and understand and debate different scenarios of cybersecurity. Understand the threat and where it's most likely to come from. Um, yeah, you know, th- there are All sorts of different ways into an organization but in particular that going back to the user training 83 percent of those incursions do tend to come from fake emails that have a bad link that you click on or the user clicks on and that compromise then leads to something else such as a, a piece of software getting installed on your machine and that then allows the attackers a way into the company regardless of whether you've got firewalls and administrative access set up
1: there's a lot of really great advice there James would you have anything to add to that Chris
2: I think the, the only thing I would probably add to that Mia is again it's a process that it's very much something that is is ongoing so it's okay putting these things in place, but you can't then become complacent to say, well, actually, I've got a disaster recovery plan, or I have MFA, or whatever that may actually look like. Again, as we touched upon right at the start, the threat continues to evolve. So cybersecurity is very much not a one and done approach. As James touched upon, you know, you have to understand what the threat actually looks like to your business. And again, you know, we speak to clients regularly, and when we discuss things like a disaster recovery plan and it's quite surprising how often there may be a disaster recovery plan in place, but it's never actually been tested. So they don't know if it actually does what they want it to do in the event of something going wrong. So again, it's it's trying to get that mindset and that, OK, it's it's one thing to have measures in place, but it's also continuing to review them, make sure that those are adequate test the plans that you have um to make sure that they actually are going to do what you want them to do and again one of the things is it's really understanding also that there is a lot of vendors out there selling a lot of different cybersecurity products and it doesn't always equate to well i spent x amount so you know i'm now much more secure than i was before it's making sure that those products are actually the right products and are actually making you more secure. So as James touched upon, it is actually getting a handle as to, you know, what your main exposures are, what you're expecting those products to do, and then testing them to make sure that they actually are going to be be doing it. Because we have had insureds in the past that unfortunately have actually spent in terms of resource when it comes to their IT security, but they haven't spent it well. So they haven't actually made themselves a much better cybersecurity risk off the back of a reasonably big spend for their size of business. So, again, it's just getting their their head around, getting the right things in place, but also making sure then that we have actually tested them and they're going to get from them what they want.
1: And keeping on the topic of these solutions, Chris, how does Travellers support its clients in engaging with these steps?
2: So one of the things that we do is we look at the cyber risk from really two angles, which would be your pre-breach and then your, your post-breach response. So the pre-breach is key and obviously we're trying to stop or mitigate any incident before it actually takes place. So we actually partner with the likes of Semantic, who are now HCL, who offer a cyber resilience readiness assessment, and cybersecurity professional consultation to each of our travellers cyber insureds. What this contains is an online assessment, which is designed for an organisation to understand their current cybersecurity position, and they receive an official report and up to an hour's consultation with a professional there who'll be able to go through areas of weakness or vulnerability that they may actually have. So it gives them a better insight into where they actually currently stand. In addition to that, there's also cybersecurity awareness training, which is offered off the back of this. This is key because it allows them to gain access to this training as a method of defense against cybersecurity events by promoting proactive employee behavior. And these are courses that can be accessed in a cloud-based learning environment on the system hosted by HCL or on the existing um, SCORM compliant LMS platform. And this is one of the things that's quite prevalent in our underwriting is that we want to see that there has been cybersecurity training for employees. And again, that it's something that's ongoing. So it's not just something that you get when you first join and then you never look at again we'd like to see things like um phishing training take place um emails which are then dropped to employees to see if they do respond and then if they do click on a link it then flags with them that what potentially could have happened had this been a real attack so these are the types of things which are all good cyber hygiene that we like to see within an insured In addition to those pre reach services, we have the likes of James on the risk control side, which adds a lot to our overall proposition. With the likes of James, we can tap into a more technical side of things from an IT perspective as opposed to the insurance side, where we can get insight and expertise on current cyber-related trends, risks and threats that organizations face um, which can be industry specific too and also for some of the more complex larger clients we can also have that face-to-face meeting um, involving the likes of James where we can get a little bit more detail around what their risk actually looks like and make some recommendations to make them a better risk off the back of it
1: fantastic and on that risk control side James would you have anything to add to that
2: Uh, yes absolutely I'm, I'm
0: in those as as chris says in, in those more complex scenarios um the risk team and that's not just myself um we, we also have a, a us team that back us up as well um, we're able to be involved in those client meetings to discuss possible risks um understand the benefits of different solutions and help communicate those to clients where as, as chris said there are A multitude of different solutions out there. What are the beneficial ones? What are the ones not necessarily to avoid, but just make sure that all of the solutions fit together well?
1: That's really great to hear. And and given the shared expertise of you and the wider Travellers Cyber Team, what do you think all businesses need to know about what to do in the event of a cyber attack?
0: So, number one, I would suggest, is don't panic. Um, there is a multitude of assistance, only a phone call away from your insurer and travellers. Certainly we have uh, a number, we have access to a number of third party uh, companies that are able to assist. Um, we can certainly offer uh, a plan of action. Hopefully you've got your own security plan of action. and. You should be following that. Um, But do call your insurance company straight away. Travellers can certainly offer the appropriate guidance. We can put you in touch with those vendors that can assist. We can offer a formal response plan if you don't have one or you're uncertain that it's actually working. And as part of our claims process, um, we can have those vendors deal with these scenarios that they deal with on a daily basis.
1: Fantastic. Do you have anything to add to that, Chris?
2: Um, The only thing I would add me, I was just kind of fleshing out what that looks like in practice um, from a claims perspective. So we have that initial discovery phase, which I think as James has quite rightly touched upon, the most important thing is is not to panic at that point. So at that stage, once you've discovered a suspected cyber event, it's really alerting us through our Breach Coach helpline, which is available 24-7, 365 days a year. the event of an actual or if it's just a suspected cyber event. At that point we move into the assessment stage where a member of the the claims team will contact them to discuss the event further. We mutually agree next steps and priorities in conjunction with the firm managing the incident response on behalf of travellers which would be one of our legal firms at, at that point who we engage with. We then look to establish a dedicated team from the network of industry leading vendors that we have access to, to allow us to respond quickly and effectively to the cyber event. So in addition to the breach coach, these could include things like forensic investigators, public relations firms, notification vendors, um, any call center vendor needs to be set up, credit monitoring, whole host of things which which can fall under that bracket at that point and we have a, a very strong um, vendor network which is set up to respond at that point. Then we've got the communication piece which is where both the broker and the insurer that are kept informed throughout the process with direct and regular contact with our claims team. Um, and then we move on to obviously the resolution side of things, which, you know, thanks to our experience and the experts that we can call upon, we look to ensure that the event is resolved as quickly and as smoothly as possible and allow the insured to get back to b- normal business operations as, as cost effectively as they can at that stage too.
1: A really great range of actions there, certainly. And how can our listeners find out more about Traveler's Proposition and the solutions that are available to them?
2: So You can visit travellers.co.uk forward slash cyber where you will find everything cyber related from an overview of the product, a breakdown of the pre-breach and post-breach response and a few other documents there in relation to good cyber hygiene and so on that we've put together with the guys in risk control as well.
1: That's wonderful. Thank you very much. And and thank you both for a brilliant overview of what's currently happening in the cyber insurance world and for taking the time to join me here on IB Talk. Thank you also to everybody for tuning in. And I look forward to welcoming you next time here on IB Talk. Thank you for listening to this episode of IB UK Talk. For more from the team at Travellers, visit them at travellers.co.uk forward slash cyber. Thank you for listening to IB Talk. For the latest episodes, be sure to follow us on Podbean. You can also tune in on your favourite listening channel. Find us on Spotify, Stitcher and Apple Podcasts.